0: Hello and welcome. Anyone who's been to Merchant City Yoga on a Sunday knows how much I love catching up with everyone over a cup of my freshly brewed spiced chai. These Sunday chai sessions really bring everyone together. A true celebration of friendship, community and connection. I want to try and capture some of that magic and share it with you at home. So I've invited some familiar faces from our MCY family to chat with me over a cuppa. I'm affectionately calling them the Chai Sessions. Pop the kettle on, get yourself comfy and come and join us. So thank you for joining me for this, unbelievably, my 20th Chai Session here at MCY. So it's super special for a couple of reasons. Here in person Mm. and I've got Emma back with me as well. First return (gasps) guest for the Chai session. Oh my goodness.
1: It's so handy because I'm like here all the time.
0: Yay! And we (laughs) are cuppa ready. So before we get into chat about Yama and Niyama, which is what we're here for, I do want to to see a couple of things. that. We both fully appreciate that, although we're going to talk about um, Yama Ni Yama, we are taking them a little bit out of context, that when they appear in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, they are in an order, and they're in that order for very good reason. And, you know, the idea is that, I guess, that you, you study them, you approach them in that order as well. Completely appreciate and understand as well that they're all interrelated, they're all interconnected and each yama niyama yama um, is influenced by all the others and in turn influences all the others as well. So having said all of that, what I've done is invited Emma here today to chat about our three favourite yama niyama. And, and what we've done is we've not told each other uh, the three that we've picked. And like I say, we will be talking about them out of order, out of sequence. Um, but just trying to make it maybe a little bit more light-hearted and giving us a, a jumping-off point for the conversation. So, do you want to go? So,
1: I also want or, to caveat it yeah, a wee yeah. bit. Is that, like, the notion of having, like, a favourite yama niyama is... Oh, yeah. Like having a favourite yoga posture. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I do have favourite yoga <laughs> postures. The, the favourite yoga posture is more... But in the same way, a posture and a yama niyama it changes with the season of your life Hmm. because none of the things the postures or the or the principles in these things are of themselves they are there to reflect you back at yourself you know so it's like when you do the posture we know especially if you do ashtanga yoga how it's different every day because you're you're different in that posture every day your body is different and in the same way um when you do the philosophy when you do it which is this is it, not when you study it, but when you live it, you can feel that mm, like different bits like pop up and shine and like become relevant to you, mm. depending on what's going on for you. And so like the three that I have chosen to talk about today are ones that kind of out of like, if I like to, I'm thinking about them like jewels. And I think I stole that idea from Deborah Adele. Um, but I really like it because it, this notion is that they have different facets. And also, it's like I have my little jewelry box of, of things that I, I'm aware of and that I have in my kind of practice toolkit, and like one of them will glint at me in a new way, you mm. know? And so that's kind of like, these are the ones that are glinting at me right now. Um, yes,
0: I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because of like what is happening in my life and what I need uh, reflected back at me, like th- on this particular moment. And that doesn't mean that all the other ones aren't still in my box and still in daily use. Absolutely. This is a very extended metaphor, as I like to do. Mm. Uh, but uh, it means that, um, yeah, I mean, these are the ones that are kind of relevant to me right now. So, do you want me to say my first one? Okay, so. Um,
0: or I'll go first if you want. All can. right, yeah, sure thing. I don't mind because I've got notes.
1: I have notes, but just not. They're yeah. metaphysical. <laughs>
0: yeah. But that's because you talk about this a lot a lot more a lot, yeah. in classes and in the public domain yeah. and then I do and and I just want to tell everyone as well that I wasn't the one that during my teacher training had a page limit <laughs> on my yoga philosophy essays let's just say June didn't have to go there with my philosophy essays yes. <laughs> Well, you know. So you're you're steeped and yeah, very much so. It's very much part of your vocabulary. Yeah, whereas it's not so much part of my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Though it's part of my practice. It's not so much my vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. words. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah. for here and and also I've brought along um, some of the books that I use as well, just that we can have a wee look. Yeah. at How they translate. Oh wow! So,
1: yeah. No, yeah, so, that is fun.
0: Yes. So the first one I brought. Is a paragraha. Mm. Yes. So, this is the one that's usually translated as non-greed, um, or abstention mm-hmm. from greed or hoarding. Mm-hmm. The one I really quite like is the the idea of like not coveting, because mm-hmm. um, I think that that brings another nuance to it. But the reason I picked this one, oops. The reason I picked this one was because back in those days when I was writing mm-hmm. the essays for the teacher training, this was probably the first one that kind of made a little hint of sense. So I'd never really um, looked closely at any of the philosophical texts mm-hmm. right before I did the teacher training, and so it's all quite overwhelming and quite mm. alien a lot yeah. of it and quite difficult to grasp as well it's so hard when you look at it all like in one yeah, splash yeah and, and, and just that, like, oh that kind gosh. of vastness so this was one of the first ones that i went oh actually that makes a little bit of sense and mm-hmm. like all of the other stuff we're going to go on and talk to like your first impression is completely different from mm-hmm. what you think of now and it's like i like your dual analogy because that implies that there's depths that you can't See oh, that and that you it. haven't seen yet and, and all of that stuff as well, so obviously the more you look at it, the more there is. But that's why I picked this this one mm. as my first one because it was the first one that came in cool. Mm, maybe. Mm. Can kind of see how that might. And so, what was it for you that you were
1: not coveting? And was it like things or or like what does it mean for you personally? What was it at the time?
0: Um. So it was, it was talking to, not looking outwards for happiness and satisfaction mm. and not looking to other people for a sense of achievement mm. or an idea of I wanted to be where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, Deborah Adele I know we we talk about yeah. this book really nice introduction to Yama the Yama very mm-hmm. accessible. What she says about it is um, a Parigraha invites us to let go and to pack lightly for our journey through mm-hmm. life, all the while caring deeply and enjoying fully. So I think when we start reading the the philosophy as well, there's a lot of talk of non-attachment and detachment and all of those kind of things, which is a, a sounds, separate conversation. Scary. Yeah. yeah. But what um, I liked about her description was, that sense of packing lightly, but having packed lightly doesn't mean that you don't experience everything in its fullness.
1: I liked it. Can I say what I think about Aparagraha? Yeah, yeah. Is that okay? yeah. This is the conversation, um, so I want okay. <laughs> to get <talk about> <laughs> it yeah. All right. Um, so yeah. I actually, Aparagraha was like my favourite one when I was doing the teacher training too. Um, but for me, it was about um, my attachment to notions that I had to... A, a tier two. I mean, that sounds quite similar to what you're saying. Um, but like for me, it was more like like things that I had to do for myself. It wasn't coming from the outside. but so for me, what really s- like sticks out in a parigraha is so there's this like graha is the grasping. yeah, like pari is like you say all all around. So like you could be like grasping at all the stuff that you want around, and like that's maybe like the most literal and the easiest way in in terms of concrete things. But um, for me, like that is kind of easier to practice is like letting go of stuff. Yes. And then the bit that's really like juicy and sticky is the bit of like the things that you really can't, that you are you have your hooks into or that they have it into you is like the ideas that you can't let like, go of of like, I have to be successful or I have to be able to do this or I have yeah. to, you know, all of that. And so like trying to practice like letting go and so like packing lightly is a nice image but I like to think of it as like because again a suitcase is something that you carry that you grasp and so it's something that you you have it with you but it's just like walking alongside you and it can come and go or like you could think about it as like like you're not holding it like this but you're holding it like this
0: yeah with an open palm
1: and then it can live Mm. and change but that's scary because if you are attached to something because someone always told you that that's what you need then the idea of it changing is like you know it's it's scary but i the scary moments like when you first started practicing you're like that's uncomfortable i don't like it and then in the same way that when we do a yoga posture we like yoga postures that feel scary like your tiktoks and stuff like that you're like oh it's fun you know (laughs) in the same way for me doing yama yama or like practicing it in my life Finding the bit that feels a bit like it becomes, it's not th- thrilling exactly, but I know that that's where I want to be because that's where the growth is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so it's, and it's not like, am I how much can I possibly let like go of? Because that's already like, that's again a competition, but it's more like, mm, can I just loosen the grip a little bit and see what space appears there for me? Yeah. And it's space just to be here now. Because if you don't have to carry all your burdens, you can just be, you don't have to carry the things, like literally the stuff, like what's the name of the guy, I always forget, in Dickens who has to carry all his possessions, you don't remember, my mum always talks about it, I don't remember either. Mum, what, what's his name? <laughs> I don't know if you can watch this, um, but anyway, it, the, in Dickens there's this character who, once he dies, he, as his ghost, has to carry all the stuff that he had in his life, behind him. Right. And so, like, because it's from this, like, Protestant, like, background of, like, you know, be, like, ascetic and, like, don't have too much stuff kind of thing. In the same way, like, what mental baggage are we carrying around with us that, like, burdens us and that doesn't allow us to enjoy and participate in life and our, and relationships mm-hmm. and things? Yeah. So, I mean, it's so... We can talk for half an hour, however, Absol- more just about a paragraph. On,
0: on this. Yeah. Because the other... Aspect that wasn't because I did my teacher training back two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Mm. So when I start to think about these things, but more within the context of like current concerns and sensitivities within the yoga world and mm. the kind of the world in yeah. general, I think this speaks a little bit to that as well. Um, in in Nicolae Bachman in the book that you were looking at just before. Um, he talks about this so in things like power dynamic mm-hmm. like the, the power imbalance it's about not coveting someone else's power mm-hmm. and in that kind of same respect not taking power away from other people yeah. or um, yourself I jot it down another couple said as well mm-hmm. um, the different points of view as well so this made me think about um, you know, the narrative on social media somehow, sometimes it's a little bit divisive, just because it lacks nuance mm-hmm. and context, yeah. so then there's there a little bit about like grabbing the limelight, the attention, mm. the engagement, Yeah. Um, without necessarily thinking about the, the wider implications of that. It's an
1: interesting, like it's an interesting notion that you would grab the limelight. That there's only so much to go around, mm. you know. And I don't really, I mean, less and less I feel that way. And I think that's just like me having really worked on that. Is that I don't feel like someone else's success is going to take away from my mine, or like I don't know. I guess I'm just working on my own stuff. But it's interesting that a paragraph then because it sounds. If you think about grabbing someone else's something, then it becomes close to Asteya, non-stealing. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, so what is the boundary then? And I find it really interesting, like, because there are some of them, and like Astea and Santosha have something in common, Santosha contentment, um, and a paragraph, these three are like, they kind of look at each other yeah. from across the room. Mm-hmm. And so then what, why list them as separate items? Um, so I think that like, um, for me anyway, like Astea is certainly about uh, uh, respect, Mm-hmm. You know, and about boundaries and about not taking other people's things. And a paragraha is more about, even though they're both yamas, so they're both about relationship with other people. A paragraha is not, is is about this, the grasping. And so it reminds me um, of uh, how Richard Freeman describes pratyahara, which is like inward, inward turning inwards of the senses. He translates pratyahara as. Not letting the senses like gr- grip into things, yeah, you know. Um, and again, it's about that kind of hookness of it, and like, gr- you and know, there's, the graha, so there's definitely grasping. something
0: for me about the coveting mm-hmm. of it as well. It's not just about greed or grabbing or grasping, it's actually coveting mm-hmm. it, yeah, um, as well. But I just think it's so cool that we can't talk about any one of the yama niyama without eventually starting to talk about. The others as well, mm-hmm. so I think that's a great jumping off okay. point for you to share your Okay, right. so my
1: first one, I, I, the way that I was going to present the three is like kind of chronologically through the as they appear <laughs> yes, in the I've thing. I just bounced about. No, all that's over fine. The place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have done it alphabetically, maybe. <laughs> um, so uh, even though Ahinsa is like the one, uh, I am going straight into the second one, which is Satya, which is. Well, what is it? How do you translate it? So, I mean, the the classic way of translating it is truth, um, or truthfulness. I don't really find truthfulness an interest, like a useful. I chose this one too? Yeah, good this because my, it's so
0: good. This was my third one. All right. Okay. Cool. Third. Okay. Choice. Um, were they in like order of preference? So the way I framed it up, yeah, was the one that first made sense. Oh, cool. All to right. Uh huh. The one that has probably changed the most in wow. my, uh-huh. the way I think about it has changed the most since first meeting it yeah. to today. Uh-huh. And then my third one was the one that I've been thinking most about recently. Lately. The one that's kind of current for me to see Oh, wow. okay, cu- oh so that's I love how that. I kind of framed.
1: Okay, great. Well, then maybe I can say what I,
0: why I like such a, and why it works.
1: That. But that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I just went through it kind of, I talk about them in order a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'll say, and also I love satya so much, and I'll tell you why. Um, so, satya, truthful, truthfulness or truth, but it comes from this word sat, which I really love, which is like the real. <laughs> um, which is, it's not just like, like what is. I, I'm like, the word real is just so uh, coincidentally in my like group of friends from uni, the real was like, we used it to describe like. An epic sense of like awesomeness, Um, (laughs) and so I used to take pictures of my yoga books and send it to them. We're like, dude, guys, it's the real. Anyway, um, uh, what is real is really hard for us to perceive. Mm. Uh, I'll say a word first about first of all about like truthfulness. You know, I kind of always found it like easy to tell the truth. Probably because like when I was really young. I a couple of times like told lies and got into like so much trouble about it more than in any like even like it wasn't even about the bad thing I did but the fact that I lied about it Mm -hmm. was like so bad so I was like burned by that and never tell a lie now. Um, So that's like not so hard for me but for me it's hard, what's harder is the truthfulness with yourself Mm -hmm. which is partly the dialogue that you have with yourself, what you're willing to look at in yourself and around you what you're willing to accept and thirdly like what you can even see Mm -hmm. and the reason why i chose sata and probably as the first one is that it feels like a bottomless practice because delusion is so pervasive and it's so uh like because you don't know what you don't know you don't know that you don't know the truth if that makes sense Is that you think you know the truth, but you don't actually, because you're still deluded by whatever it is. And what is the truth and who gets to decide what the truth is, anyway? Well, yeah. And so, and then you have, like, what is your truth? Uh, Like, people are always like, speak your truth. And, uh, you know, within the commentaries, actually, they talk about how satya must be practiced in the context of ahinsa. So it's not just like, this is what I think, and so I'm going to say that. You know that's not yeah. what it's about because um, it's truth within the context of relationality, and the thing is actually if you start to practice that and start to look at your what your truth is, um, if it tends to be harmful and hurtful to other people, you know often, or if it's like unnecessary harmful or hurtful to people, then you know it often turns out that like your truth it's not really so deeply considered and I'm being yeah. careful about saying that because um, I don't want to just be like you know if it your opinion your opinion has to fall in line with other people's that's not what I mean because also sometimes saying an uncomfortable truth is by far the kindest thing
0: absolutely and and being truthful isn't always comfortable or easy it can be very 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 hard Yeah. But it's where that then meets harmful or hurtful
1: mm-hmm. yeah. to whoever your truth. It can be, it can be, so like in my experience, it can be like something that I always thought that I was trying to be kind by not saying what I felt about something. Because I'm like, well, what do my feelings matter here? I'm just going to do what is important. Ahinsa the greater good, whatever. Yeah. But then I got a greater understanding that... If I'm in a relationship with someone, or in relationship with someone, or reality, yeah. then the more I can show up fully as who I really am, the more our relationship can be built on a foundation of truth. Yeah. And if I, and that's the only way that it can really go forward. If it's on this like sugary ground of like some notions and some like idealistic concepts, then it's gonna and it's gonna mm-hmm. rupture. Um, and so it means that the kinder, more hints it's <laughs> not a word, the more Ahinsa way of doing it is to actually show up with your
0: truth and so they're mutually in fact yeah. influential and also what you're talking about uh, so there's a couple of things there that that kind of jump out so what you're talking about there I find really interesting about Satya because there's Movement in it. Yeah. There's, there's a fluidity, there's a flexibility. Because flexi- reality is there's changing. There's a flexibility. So truth in is it. Changing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and whether we're in relationship with ourselves or in relation to other people, there, there has to be a dynamic movement mm. with, within mm-hmm. what we communicate as truth like in that. Moving together. And also, the other thing is like, it's actually very difficult to talk about this without talking about the light and shade of a mm-hmm. as yeah. as well. It's like they're so tightly yeah um, woven in So together. why is Satya for you like so relevant right now in particular? Um so there's a there's a couple of things. It's thinking about off the back of lockdown and the business and the mm. studio and mm-hmm. everything. We're where don't want to go now with mm the business, mm. so kind of from a professional point of view, where do you want to go with the business? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, I personally want to get out of it? What's my vision for what we're doing here? What do I want mm. to achieve? Um, so trying to kind of rootle around a, a little bit because tied up in that there's an awful lot of what I think I should be doing yeah. and what I see other you can only do Teachers your own dharma Josie. You can't do other people's doing. dharma. So what's <laughs> so you know, yeah. up on that? And and there's a lot of self-inflicted pressure about what I set mm. out to do and what I think I should be doing. And I'll, so that's all just yeah. a big hot mess. Just now kind of because the last like three or four years have really been focused on survival. Yeah. Like hitting lockdown, it was like, how, how we do, do we do stay this? afloat? Yeah. How do we keep this going? Coming out of lockdown, right up until kind of towards the end of last year, it was still very much yeah, yeah. survival mode. Mm-hmm. It's like doing whatever it takes just to, to hang in there. Mm-hmm. But now things rightly are having to move and shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I recognition that, for example, I can't work for the next 10 years the way I've worked yeah. the last 10 years. So how's that going to look? And then, button up against that, kind of running into that is the kind of the personal practice thing as well. Mm. Um, yeah, that's so. Oh my God! Yeah, you have loads of such a stuff in there. Yeah, like around injury, and it's like, well, what am I practicing for? What What do I want to get out of this practice? And again, there's a lot of.
1: And where is your body really at right uh-huh,
0: now? A lot of self-inflicted. Well, I should be able to do this. Where is my credibility if I can't do that? You know, like all of that mm. whole conversation as well, and. Um, I know you picked out, so I brought this book. Yeah. By Rama Prasada, Jamesy's favorite yeah. translation, and you he, know mm, he only likes it because he actually speaks Sanskrit like fluently, and
1: so it's yeah, fine for him. So
0: that's great. <laughs> but, um, when I was reading the translation in this, I totally loved it because he doesn't say truthfulness at all. Yeah. He says veracity. Uh huh. Instead of truthfulness, and yeah. I was like okay yeah I love that word because it has a fear fierceness about it the truthfulness of it truthful is a little bit like we're just not going to tell lies yeah exactly exactly that's why I hate the word truthful (laughs) veracity especially given the context that I'm thinking about it just now yeah there's a fierceness Mm -hmm. in that and you know I think to to definitely kind of all the cliché phrases, stand in your truth, know your truth, love your truth, yeah, yeah, all of that takes a courage and a strength and a... million percent. A million percent. And, a a million percent and, and so I quite like, for me just now, mm-hmm. I actually quite like that yeah. translation. Love that so much. Of it. Yes. That's the other thing why I like it, because
1: it feels like cold and uncompromising, but in, in the most like stable way. Truth. Um, I like sometimes, I like to think about it as like authenticity. Yes. And um, sincerity. sincerity and integrity.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's actually really difficult to make your decisions and choices based within those words of like, you know, sincerity and authenticity and truth. Mm. There's so many factors out there difficult. pulling on hard. us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's the whole thing. Like, if you think about what the Gita is asking us to do, not that like, I mean the yamas, but it's all it's all connected. It's all connected, my friends. <laughs> um, like the gita is like, look, don't do other people's dharma. Don't do what you think you should do. It's all about what this part of you is saying. Like if Krishna is like the, the in the depths of the, in the cave of the heart, you know, or the light inside or whatever. There's a bit in you that always knows what the truth is, and I think mm. all of our practices connect us to that. You know, like even all of our asana, even all the asana practices, yeah, the pranayama yeah. practices, the chanting, everything breaks down all the shoulds and the externals and all the ca- the baggage that you're carrying around. Going back to a paragraha, the less you carry around other people's baggage, the more you can
0: know what your own truth is. Yeah, but there is something that's very difficult because I don't even know that, that I would go as far as to say it breaks it down. It certainly shows you it. Offers you.
1: It it shows an you, an, an, and then an it's invitation. like you can break it down if you want Yeah, to. an invitation yeah. to For me it breaks yoga, it it or, breaks or, it down. It is you know what it is? It's like a pre wash mm. spray that like you know you would see the adverts <laughs> for like stains and you put the spray and it see you see like the molecules of the stain like come off your jumper. So that's what yoga does, is it loosens it a little bit and then mm. you can choose to let it move or not.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing about this one as well it's it sounds really nice and easy to speak your truth live your truth actually what's really really hard is knowing what your truth is like what what are your values what are your principles what is negotiable and non-negotiable like actually can i live with this Uh, actually kind of uncovering exactly what it is that you believe yeah. and you want it's really hard because because once you have that and you see it really clearly it's much easier to stand your ground exactly
1: well it's still quite hard I mean depending on what the
0: circumstances are but, but it's, like this is it's how easy
1: air I'm it's, not it's, easy, earth. Earth. Yeah, it's yeah. easy air but it's like that like you know how we come into or at least I speak for myself you come into the mitral room and like you get halfway through and like suddenly you're crying and you thought you were fine <laughs> like that satya right there is yeah. Things coming to the surface because we, in order to survive out there, make ourselves numb to what is really in there. I'm like, yeah. I know I like, definitely of, did that to myself. Armor yeah, exactly. Or like, you're like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to live. That's how I'm going to live. Mm. And because unless you have a very clear idea about an alternative, it's very hard to go against the stream, you know? And, uh, you know it depends on how you're brought up like you can have an idea about like you know this is just how things are done and if it's never revealed to you like that there's other alternatives then you then it you can't even it's like you know um in uh orwell for example talks about in uh 1984 about how if you remove a word for something from a language then you can't conceptualize it so and this is why I like Sanskrit words, because they give us another concept. Yeah. They kind of broaden our understanding of like what things can be broader than their English uh, influence. Um, and so like if you haven't had an open eye, then you can't see what you could possibly be doing. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Luffy, you're, you're quoting other, <laughs> oh, sorry. other literature and stuff, and I'm like, oh god, it's just what's in I've my head. I thought about George Orwell uh, since school. I really
1: liked Well, I mean, the thing is that that's something that I'm particularly interested in, and, I, and I is actually how language think forms are things. I did my
0: homework on George Orwell from the cheat notes <laughs> rather than actually reading the book. Um, because the only other thing I was going to say here, maybe before we move on from Satya, yes, is, um, for me, this also talks about or talks to. Like the challenges around feeling that we have to fit in, feeling that because exactly. belonging is exactly. a real fundamental human exactly. Need. And so but we, what pretend are, what are we willing people. to compromise, to, to get that sense of belonging to fit in and kind of like parallel but connected to that is um, the, the whole aspect of people pleasing.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. as
0: well and almost negating your own needs and prioritising other people but again that that comes back to like maybe they need to fit in or they need to be accepted or like because we all want to be liked Um, and when I was thinking about that it put me in mind of um, there is a therapist called Emery Terrell who's written a book about people pleasing Mm -hmm. and she actually talks about people pleasing as a manipulative behaviour, and I got quite offended by that at first. Yeah, 100%. Um, Yeah, because I think, did you... I read the book too, and it was so, it was really, like, helpful for me, actually. Uh, I got really offended by that at first, but actually... I realised it too, The more I thought about it, Mm -hmm. actually, because it's me trying to control the outcome. Exactly. It's me trying to control how people respond to me. Exactly, because if you
1: control what information people have about you, then you control how they respond to that information and you. Yeah. And so you're then presenting some like other character who's not really your real thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when I was thinking about Satya and you know and my my of current um, focus on it, that that was part of it as well. That it really spoke to me. It was like, mm. no, I need to be Beautiful. me. Yeah. And because if I'm trying to decide what I want and and what I want to achieve and what my aims are, Mm -hmm. and I want to be clear around that and around that for the business, I need to be really clear about me and I need to be really honest about me. But don't you feel, Judy, that like the more, no, but really,
1: the thing is you making the joke about me, 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 that's the narrative of like, you shouldn't be selfish or whatever, which isn't really isn't really true. It's just like people trying to make each other feel bad. But actually, like I'm sure that you have experienced this. I certainly have. The more I've been myself in like what I do with my work and my my personal whatever, the more you're actually yourself. The more people are actually drawn to you. Yes. I think so. Yes. And there's a really beautiful song by one of my favorite uh, musical artists where she has this this word this phrase where she's like, um, "There's that you are a conduit, like, and you are the only you as a conduit." There's no one else like you and there's no one else ever before you or Mm -hmm. ever after you. So if you block who you really are, then the world will never experience that.
0: Absolutely. And the thing is, like intellectually, I'm all over that. Yeah. We all have our own But in order to be truthful, you have to be vulnerable.
1: You have to actually show who you really are, which feels terrifying.
0: Which is why, (gasps) yeah, I'm embarrassed to turn up with notes. No,
1: but like but that's, that's great, that's who you really yes. are, and that's what's yes. wrong with that. You know what I mean? You can do pincha, I
0: can't.
1: <laughs> Toot for tat, whatever. Um, yeah, so, what next? should Should I do one? or? You, well, I guess I've, you said yours, and then... Well, I do my third one, then? Yeah, okay, everything.
0: sure. Well, because I picked... well, it's, when I say my third one, it's actually the second one, so uh-huh. this is the one... I that think, changed so much. I think I might have done the biggest... U turn, turn, mm. and it's and I think it's going to keep kind of swinging backwards and forwards, mm-hmm. but but it's um spud hiya yes <laughs> I like that variation of um, this pronunciation yeah so this one's come a long way
1: uh huh because what did you think it meant at first like so how was it presented my first to you
0: meeting with it is in the. Um, Swami Sachchidananda. That's on mm-hmm. the reading list. Okay. For I never got that one. Sorry. Let me stick. Which my one did I get? On.
1: I had the Iyengar one at, fun, at first, and James told me not to read yeah. it. Yeah.
0: So, by study of spiritual books comes communion <laughs> with one's chosen deity.
1: Yeah. Spiritual books. By study <laughs> of
0: spiritual books comes communion with one's chosen deity, and I was like, What? What? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Um. But then, like, the more I read around it, the kind of, the more, would we maybe say the more modern interpretation of that? Actually, I don't know if it's modern because Richard Freeman talks about this as well, mm. um, takes it more into the realm of study of the self and self awareness. And I was like, oh, yeah, right, okay, yeah. kind of, that makes heaps more sense yeah. than sitting, so, reading, yeah. fusty, old. Yeah. Well, I
1: can interpret that. I mean, text. I don't know if it's helpful, but like, so, let me. Go yeah, you circle. do it.
0: Uh huh. So now where I'm at is like, actually, it's both. So it's, it's taken me quite a long time to figure out, or or to kind of just extrapolate. You know, James talks a lot about these texts being mirror. Exactly. Texts. Yeah. Um. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally get that. That's fine actually I think I, I'm starting to get a deeper appreciation of more about what that means because you know every time I visit the takes, I see something different and I get something different mm-hmm. something different is meaningful or something different resonates and, and that's all so grand. but now I'm thinking I'm starting to kind of maybe get a, a sense of how they both sit together and that the studying of the classic texts isn't just the studying of the classic texts, it's studying yourself reflected in and through the lens of those classic texts. Like what we're doing now. Yeah, but then there's the flip side of that as well. So in that kind of self-study, study of the self, the more work you do with the texts, the more that gives you a different lens and different perspective when you're doing... The self-study part, yeah. So and vice versa, the more better you know yourself, the more the text will actually talk to you. So actually, those two kind of different definitions mm-hmm. feed each other. So so they're in this kind of spiral or circle. And then in preparation for today, I actually went back to to this one, and I noticed that I've actually underlined. So in the commentary on this one, it mm. says regular practice becomes study huh? oh hello so it was there all along <laughs> I just Obviously. didn't get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you know it just didn't yeah so like I say I picked this one because I felt that it had gone mm. full circle that that I felt it was a very alien concept and all about fusty dusty old books then it's completely swung the other way and it's all about me again and now I can see actually it's like them all, there's more depth, um, you know, and there's more mm-hmm. to be explored. Yeah.
1: There. Svajaya is, I mean, far is self, and Chaya mm. is like, I mean, focusing on it, I guess. Um, and I mean, you know, I always like texts, um, but I guess, and I like them in a geeky way, but I also like them about the way that I like yoga philosophy. It's not because of the geekiness of it because actually that's not really sustainable, only something that's going to be directly relevant to you in your life Mm. is going to be sustainable Yeah. Um, and uh, that's why I like the text because they are like something that I carry with me all the time to reassure me that what I'm doing or like to show me where to go. Um, That's for me what Swadhyaya is, I guess it's quite simple. But it's so important that it's not only in the yamas; it's also in like the the the, um, the definition of kriya yoga at the beginning of chapter two of like yeah. what even is the practice of yoga, discipline, self study, and surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think self study. I mean, you could look at it in a broader way. You could look at it as reading texts, or you could look at it as like watching how you show up in the on on the mat every day yeah. as a self study.
0: Yeah, and I think for me as well is the even just the that, that very kind of simplified version of it in in reading of the text. That has broadened out quite a lot because it's it's not just reading of the text, it's taking some of what's in there and figuring out how does it apply to you? Mm -hmm. How can you live by it or bring it into your life? Whereas I think like probably most people, like for a lot of years, these texts have been something that I don't really feel Either physically, literally or metaphorically I carry with me, there's something I go and study and I mm. read and, it, and it's all very intellectual mm-hmm. and I underline stuff and I make notes and yeah. all of that but for me what's what's happened kind of relatively recently is is more of a sense that I'm kind of metaphorically carrying some yeah. of it with me and it will pop into my head mm-hmm. sometimes at times where maybe it wouldn't have yeah. Um, yeah. before. And like I say, it's not, I don't use it in my language a lot yeah. when I'm teaching or talking about mm-hmm. yoga or whatever. The thing is but, you actually do though, Judy, because you don't have to say the
1: words of yama niyama yeah, in order to yeah, actually yeah. be doing it. And also like, what's much better is that like, t- going back to Satya, like for me, you absolutely practice Satya all the time. <laughs> because you show up in a very authentic, that's why everyone's so drawn to the studio because it's so no-nonsense, and me too. And like. um, as far as I've experienced, you've always been, in a respectful way, very honest about everything, always, and that, like, you know, you're doing it, and so you're walking it. Um, so, so maybe
0: what, maybe for me then, what's what's happening is I'm starting to be able to make connections between what I think and feel and and my and how the and use it and, mm-hmm. and how it's framed up in the tradition, and I'm starting to to be able to to hook. Up a bit you know what,
1: Donnafari Don says that the yama yama are the natural consequence of practice. Which is an interesting perspective, considering yes. that some people view the yama yama because they come at the beginning of the eightfold, uh, you know, the ashtanga yeah. yoga kind of practice. Um, so, that you are supposed to practice them first as a foundation. Although, actually, later texts like the Hatha Yoga text, start with asana, by the way. But,
0: well, yeah, yes. like, you
1: need to start out your body first and then you can start to think about oh, ethics. Because if your body's a mess, you want to then you're not going to be able to. And, and, and also, and well. yeah, I find that asana actually gives me the resilience to yes. practice the Yamani Yama. Because yes. you you need to be, like we said about Satya and actually all of them, you have to be courageous. You have to be able to <laughs> sit with discomfort in order to Absolutely. do it. And Absolutely. so. Um, I definitely think... I think that it's a mutually influential thing that I don't think that you should just sit around and wait for them to happen on their own. You definitely have to practice it. However, um, you don't have to beat yourself up and be like, I'm going to perfectly sit and diligently do my satyaya. I mean, because it actually is going to happen if you show up on the yoga mat with an open heart, satya, and compassion for yourself, uh, uh, ahinsa, then the svajaya, for example... Is gonna is gonna arise, and, yeah, the other and, ones and you're too. there
0: with honesty and respect and, um, and recognising yeah,
1: a paragraph, not trying to grasp, at the uh, achieving the postures yeah. necessarily. Yeah,
0: cool. God, I love it when it all ties. It up. does tie up. So, what's your last
1: one? Well, I've got two more actually. Oh, have you? <laughs>
0: Oh, that's because that was your first one. Yeah, yeah, I oh, know. you should have gone next then instead of me. It's okay. Grabbing um, the limelight, so That's okay. that's, <laughs> all right. that's fine. That's fine.
1: Seriously you do. You go too. <laughs> um, so I, the next one I wanted to talk about is one also that's changed for me recently, very recently, which is Brahmacharya. And the oh. other reason... I know, right? Oh, controversial. So exactly. So the other reason I wanted to talk about it in this is because it, everyone hates Brahmacharya because it's like it says you shouldn't have sex. Um, and it's so what James says about it, James Bogue, piece, um, uh, is, what James says about it is that if nobody ever had sex then humanity wouldn't continue and at the very beginning, right before all the yamas are listed, Patanjali says, this is the Mahavrata, this is the great vow that applies to all humans everywhere, no matter what place, time, or lo- like location, yeah, it's yeah. everyone, so if everyone did Brahmacharya and didn't have sex, then humanity would die, so that's clearly not what it means, that's what he says. Other people always translate it as celibacy, some people translate it to say that it's like a uh, sexual um, responsibility and respect. And like all of that is true for sure. But mm-hmm. like I, I have a new feeling about it lately okay. for me, um, which is this. We, we walk around the world when we're not sure in ourselves and look outwardly for comfort and solutions and other things like that. Mm. And one of the ways that I know that I have like, uh, you know, disconnected from my own, trying to meet my own needs and trying to be self-reliant and things like that, is codependent relationships, okay. which is really unhealthy. And for me, Brahmacharya. So as I've and it's taken me a lot of like work to try and like turn it around and feel like I can hold my own space, right? Mm -hmm. And that is, that's tapas, you know, that's actually svadhyaya, that's asteya, that's apagraha, that's ahinsa, that's that's all of it. Actually, it's santosha, which is my other one. But brahmacharya for me then is. And so basically when I started to practice this, I started to feel a great sense of spiritual connection even more that when you're not looking outwards to other relationships for meeting your emotional, spiritual needs, there starts to be a sense of containment Mm -hmm. because we have to uh, you can admit that like I mean you can see divinity out there if you can like hone your eye but the easiest place because consciousness is inside us the easiest place to make contact with divinity or however you want to call it is if you go inwards Mm -hmm. and so if you're always relying on other sorts of energetic relationships, sexual relationships or anything else on other people. If you're waiting for someone else to save you, it's never going to happen. And so for me, Brahmacharya now. So the word Brahma is like, uh, you know, it's one of the um, uh, like the ways that divinity is kind of personified in the Indian tradition. And then Charya is walking. So it's walking with God. Yeah. And so the only way that you're going to be able to walk the spiritual path is not necessarily alone. But being able to be with your own experience of being in this human life. So that is my feeling about brahmacharya lately. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah. Yeah, And that's actually a really lovely way to think about it. And it's, it just makes me think about you know, all of the, the relationship advice that is essentially you've got to love yourself first. As RuPaul says, Before.
1: if you can't love yourself,
0: how yeah. in the hell are you going to love anyone else? Well, exactly. B&A. You know, what? if you don't love yourself, no one else is going to love you. You're not going to have healthy boundaries. You're looking, boundaries. You're, you're going to be people-pleasing. You're going to be looking for something from other people that they're not in the best position. to yeah. No matter how wonderful yeah. they are, yeah. they're, they're not in the best position to give you. And I think for me, the other thing about Ramacharya is it's, it, it is very context Mm-hmm. yeah exactly so originally so, it was designed yeah. for like
1: indian boys so that they wouldn't run around chasing girls and they would yeah. sit and study in school
0: at, at a certain stage having made certain life choices yeah. and having been born into certain caste or family right. exactly responsibilities and and so from that point of view it is very context driven mm-hmm. but so many of the teachers in the texts now talk about family and house you know seven series yeah. and And so it can't, it can't possibly only mean that with a certain context, absolutely, Mm -hmm. that may well be the meaning, but it can't, it can't be the only Exactly. And I think that,
1: I think that what's helpful, so Brahmacharya as well, controversially, some people say like, it's all about not taking, not eating all the cookies in the packet. And I'm like, come on. So I think that you, everyone has to look at it personally. Mm. And this is the true of all the yama niyama and actually all yoga teachings ever because yoga is a study of yourself with a capital small s or a capital s you have to look at like where for you is the sticky point
0: mm-hmm. so like for
1: me i it's not so hard to like not sleep around and things like that like that's not something that i have all ever been like you know compelled to do necessarily um however Codependent relationships is a thing that is my sticky point, for example, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, how can I find a way to not not that I tell myself not to do it? I find the resilience in myself and the depth and the richness in myself, so that I'm not even compelled to do that.
0: Well, that's the cause that's the reframe, isn't it? And it's that's the thing about the whole non this, non that, non mm-hmm. the next thing. It's all very negative. Yeah. But if we can reframe that into well, what does that mean we do? What are we what looking to we cultivate? Exactly. What are we looking to foster? So that's exactly what you're talking about there. It's mm-hmm. like, you're not looking to not do all of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah, 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 yeah. You're looking to foster the good stuff in you mm-hmm. so that you don't need yeah. that codependent relationship anymore. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what, what I'm thinking. I was going to say that's a juicy one, but Isn't maybe it? that's not there. Um, oh, I don't analogy. know. That's it.
1: I mean, I like that's. I feel that that's how that's how it is. And the the last one that I chose is connected to that. Santosha, um, okay. which is contentment. Which it's so. It comes from the verbal root tush, which means to
0: enjoy. Yeah, I and nearly, relish. I nearly chose this one. Yeah, because it was the kind of other one that made a little bit of sense. Yeah, at the beginning. On first. Yeah, I think so. A lot it. of people like it when they first. Right.
1: Um, but. I've had a journey with Santosha, actually, because I always told myself, like, you know, you, know, you write gratitude lists, and you're like, make, be content with what you have, yes. and crucially for me, Santosha, so it comes from this verbal root, tush, which is enjoy, which is a joyful and full and sincere and honest satya type of emotion, which cannot be compelled. You can't enjoy your life, you can't force yourself to enjoy yourself and enjoy your life, right? And sun, the prefix sun is like completeness, so the complete enjoyment of yourself, which means that Santosha actually is asking you to make your life something that you can be happy with, which means that you are not only being like, oh, well, I'm going to like and lump it. You make the choices, you are courageous enough to do the choices and make um can i live with this is this something that is this the mm. life that i want to be and lately i've been like the last week or so i've been sitting around in the evenings or like this morning i did it in the park and i go what's wrong with this not a damn thing you yeah. know and like i'm like i'm things are always moving but where i'm at right now i'm feeling more than for a long time a sense of that santosha that that kind of ability to enjoy the richness of just this simple moment of like you know, the burgeoning ripeness of the trees, or like my cute dog lying on the sofa in the morning, or like enjoying a little glass of white wine in the in the in the evening, or sitting on the sofa is a big part of it. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> I, like I do, like. I'm like oh god at least I can yeah. sit down yeah. for one moment but no but like honestly a lot of things in my life are now like my job and like my two jobs I really like, I like all the things but the only, it only arose because I made the extremely hard work to make it happen Absolutely. and it's not going to stay because everything's changing No. Constantly. so I need to be constantly in an alive and responsive way engaging with life to make it always something that I can enjoy fully Yes. Um, and that is, again, also like a change that happened because, like I say, I grew up with this like very Scottish thing, which is like, you know, mend and make do, mm-hmm. which is also a very, like, it's it's a good thing to have in your... That has value. It definitely that, has value, but accept, you shouldn't block it, you shouldn't be able so to block your joy because you then are. you're just going to block other people's joy yeah. and you're not going
0: to show up for who you really are in this life. And, and there's something in there as well about, you know, if you're showing up as yourself, If you feel sad or grumpy or, like, without joy, you have to feel able to show up as that person. That's your satin. And Um, also,
1: how is your ahinsa going to be if you're in a horrible mood all the time? It's going to be really hard to
0: actually practice that. Yeah, but the contentment thing for me was, like, on the surface, it seems, like, really nice and fine. And, like, you see the gratitude diaries and the well, I should be happy. I should, I should be happy. But I think once you start scratching under the surface Mm -hmm. of it a little bit, and obviously like with everything else, like all the other stuff we've spoken about, there's something for me about it that Santosha arises from the other stuff. Mm. It's not something Mm. that you can go out and look for Mm. and deliberately cultivate. It arises from everything yeah, I think so. that you're doing and all of a sudden you have a moment where yeah. you're like, if this is as good as it gets, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that sense of... And then it passes again and you're caught up in the, I should be doing this, mm-hmm. I should be doing that, or I'm feeling sad or angry or... Yeah. You know, and, and, and so it, it's almost like a, a fountain or something that just keeps bubbling up and sometimes you notice when it happens and sometimes... Yeah you don't all of these things it's really a cyclical motion because
1: it's the same way that with the practice you come back again and again you show up every day on your mat or as often as you can you with the meditation practice you come back to your focus again and again and in the same way you come back to like you'll have days when you absolutely can't feel content with anything and you're really annoyed because you didn't sleep enough or whatever nor,
0: nor should you feel content there are circumstances where that you know that are absolutely unacceptable that's the other
1: thing because if you thank you for mentioning that because that's something I'm really interested in is how uh, Santosha can be a nice blanket which becomes spiritual bypassing of like everything is perfect and beautiful I'm happy in the world but actually no there's plenty of stuff out there um, like the and plenty of stuff. There's like constant social injustice, racism, yes. sexism, political upheaval, horrible treatment of humanity, and you know all of that stuff. And so you cannot just be like, well, I'm just going to enjoy my life and that's fine. And so this is the thing that it's you have to do the satya of showing up and actually seeing what is really true, and then
0: acting taking, acting, acting action. And yeah, I there, there's something about it not there that even though. There are definitely things happening and will continue to happen that are completely unacceptable. That doesn't preclude you from finding Santosha mm-hmm. or yeah. for it arising if you feel that you've done everything that you can, that you're taking moments moment. yeah. action or yeah. whatever we want to to call it. Exactly. Um, and that you're not just Burying your head in the sand or exactly hiding or numbing or exactly ignoring. I feel like with that
1: stuff, because I get upset about, you know, large scale injustice a lot. Um, and now, um, because I'm trying to dedicate myself to making a slight impact somehow, one way or another, moment by, I, f- I feel that like at least moment by moment, if I'm showing up and doing what I can in a small way, we're moving forward or at least I'm moving forward like something is moving because the thing is you could like you could be like oh it's such a I can't no one person can't make a difference and then you drop your hands and you absolutely you're giving up your responsibility and like what if everyone did that then nothing would happen if everyone raised arms then we would all be able to do things and you can
0: I can totally understand why people are like well that is so it's massive. disheartening. What can I possibly do about it? And the way it's all reported, it's very disempowering. Yeah. Um for they the do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is a whole conversation yeah, for another is. day. Um and so I completely understand that and I know when I get really upset and and feel powerless about it, I just I have to very deliberately bring it back to well what can I do? Yeah. What well, can I know, do today? Just now. We
1: talked about this last week in the karma when we were in the philosophy club, and about how you know we have to. You can acknowledge that like every single time you literally do anything, you have a ripple effect to everyone around you. And we talked about just the, the simple effect of like going to a yoga class. You come home and you're kinder to the people in your family, mm. and then they will be more predisposed to be kinder to whatever, right? And so there's these little ripple effects. So karma teaches us then that we can absolutely make a difference. If we make one tiny little step, there always every single action has a reaction, mm-hmm. and so or an inf, or an impact, and so the tiniest little impact is going to mo- you know move forward and make ripples that you don't even know what they are, and that's the entire teaching of the Bhagavad Gita. You don't know the big picture. You have to do the thing that feels right in your heart at this moment, and trust that it's going to make an impact. And the things you don't have to take it on blind faith because the the cause and effect which is a very, you can see it, like if I drop something, it will fall, you know, mm. cause and effect is, you can't deny it, and so you you can trust in that kind of, uh, you know, law of physics of the world that like any any small thing is going to make a difference in some way. Yeah. So that's why Ahinsa, just to like add another one in there, but we've talked <laughs> about Ahinsa the whole time, uh, well, that's it, why Ahinsa cannot... is not about just being like, oh, love and light, you know, I'm compassionate to people, it's why uh you know the 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 teachings actually encourage us to trust the fact that we can make a difference and we can bring about harmony. We can fight against harm. We can make the world a better place because even a tiny bit better, it's still better. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I think we better stop there. Yeah. I was about to loop it back to Satya again there. Oh well. Wow. But. We could, I mean, well, this is it, yeah. Because it can just, it can go on and on, and I think we've probably got about another 20 of um, the yeah. chai sessions. Right. Well, we why don't I it. say
1: about how we're going to look at this? Um, yeah, so
0: I was going to say, so yeah. Emma is running a Yama Yama course. Yeah. You know, so do you want to say a little bit about what you're going to do and how you're going to approach it? And yeah. Maybe what people can expect. 100 percent so mm-hmm. what we'll do is not we'll just blathering on like we did well i mean what's <laughs>
1: nice is that i mean we obviously have we're quite immersed in it and what we have is like a personal experience of it that we're sharing here and what i we like to do that when i have these philosophy clubs is like everyone bringing their unique perspective because then we see more sides of the diamond because mm. everyone you know if you think about satya everyone has a limited view mm-hmm. you know because of our avidia, our, our lack of insight um and so the more we pr- Uh, Combine our perspectives the more we can actually learn from each other, which is really nice But so we're gonna look at like there'll be a very brief like what does it really mean? Or like what was it intended, Mm -hmm. but then it's more about like how can we actually bring this in now? And so we'll have like questions uh, like prompts for each one which we can then take away and look at and be like well How am I showing up with this? so that it's like it's like we have our jewel set we can take each one out and look at it for a minute and then put it back again mm-hmm. so that like it reveals something to us um about about who we are and how we're living um and so we only have 6 hours which is again a short time but um even in that time we're going to cover the all 10 yama and yama and s- notice how they inter- interact with each other and uh about how what they can teach us about asana daily life relationships relationship with ourself and basically everything yeah
0: so uh people don't have to have any sort of background in order yeah, to. that's what to i was going to say so yeah. it sounds to me then like they're you know even if someone ha- has never really studied Yama yam or, or t- tried to do anything with them they maybe just got a big notion of them yeah they, they i mean can come along yeah. as well as because you know, i know i know what it's like i feel like i don't want to speak up when I don't know much, yeah. or if somebody says, "What do you think
1: about that?" I'm kind of like, "Well, it's like that." Yeah, blank. You don't have yeah. to like. We've had this with the philosophy club where people have come where they didn't have any any sort of background at all in mm. studying anything, and if as long as you have a human life, and and are willing to look at your own human life, then I mean you don't have to like go and do like deep dives, but just like to kind of think, "Oh well, what do I think about that?" You know, just that mm. is enough.
0: And it's it's not really lecture-based, It's It's not, not it's like this kind of, uh yeah.
1: I mean, I'll have a handout and I'll kind of present the information that you need Mm -hmm. so that, like, you don't have to have read anything. What I always say is that you don't have to have read before, but afterwards you might want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So then we can talk about what is helpful to read and, like, which books are good. (laughs) If you want to study some tests. Yeah, it's, I mean, a of my favourite, I obviously took the biggest one because I had to show yeah, off for that. Yeah, show off. <laughs> like, yeah, I would quantity. You have to numbers. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: could kind of almost match each other, right? That's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. Emma, thank you no, so yeah. much. We'll I loved de- it. We'll put the details of the course mm-hmm. um, into the email and, the yeah. and yeah, and whatnot. And the, if you want to join, if you've got any interest at all, please do join. Emma, it's definitely definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. Emma, thank you so Yeah, much thank much. you! Yeah. Cheers. I, know. <laughs> I finished my tea. I did, So <laughs> yeah. why are we <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our specially extended chai session. If you'd like to join Emma for her Yama Niyama course, it runs three consecutive Sundays from Sunday the 11th of June, 3 to 5 p.m. And you can find all the details and the link to book on the workshop page at merchantcityyoga.com. You can even book for individual sessions, but we ask that you note that there's no clear split between the content of each session.